0: Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Byrd. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Pull up a chair, light some candles, and prepare to be authentic and vulnerable. We have a spot at the table for you, and our hosts are here to teach us about the ordinary means of grace, the importance of the church versus the parachurch, and what to do about church discipline. Stay tuned after to find out how to continue your study on discipleship with a free MP3 by Jerry Bridges.
1: Well, the team are very excited today to be able to announce a new venture that we are developing. Inspired by certain women's movements, we are today launching uh, our new ministry, What-Gathering. Uh, what can I say uh, about this? Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a place, it's miss space, if you like, for uh, a deep, honest space, in fact, for the next generation of, of guys and, of course, honorary guys to wrestle. Can we be there? Uh, we, we can be honorary and honorable, Amy. And we want to honorable. Vulnerable. Oh, we can certainly be vulnerable. Um, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be vulnerable. We, we really want to wrestle with essential questions that, that plague our generation. Um, you know, questions like, what? Who? you got to be kidding, question <laughs> mark. Um, Where has my hair gone?
0: Uh,
1: my teeth have just vanished. Uh, so we want this to be, as I say, a, a safe place, a safe space for today's guys and honorary guys to, to be vulnerable and to be able to talk about discipleship for the what generation.
2: Yes. I'm, I'm biting my lower lip even now.
1: I'm wiping a tear from your eye. <laughs> Todd. Uh, Todd is
2: already making himself somewhat vulnerable, I feel.
1: Todd, <laughs> may I assure you, this is a safe space to cry. You. You. You, you can cry, and our, our listeners will. Mm. We'll embrace Without. you metaphysically. Yes. Uh, yes. Metaphysically embrace you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, so,
2: mm.
1: but it does raise questions, doesn't it, about what exactly is Christian discipleship? Um, it's become, I think, something of a, a marketable commodity. Uh, yeah. Christian discipleship, every couple of years, a, a new movement seems to jump up with the answers. Uh, to today's discipling, we had promise keepers in the nineteen nineties, and of course, Todd was got a sweatshirt. A, was a sweatshirt wearing <laughs> promise keeper. Uh, Amy, uh, have you been involved in any militant women's movements for <laughs> discipleship over the years? Or, no, uh, I, haven't.
3: Uh, sh- I haven't. Are you? Are you sure? Well, uh, You're I've...
1: twitching. It looks to me as if you're not telling the entire truth here.
3: I've been invited to some discipleship um, Bible studies. Yeah, and and one I was explaining to you guys that when I got there, you kind of sign up for the year, and they gave a list of things that you were not allowed to discuss during this Bible study. And so since it was non-denominational, these were all doctrinal issues that you could not address so that we could all get along. Hmm. And I just found it preposterous. How can we do a Bible study together and not talk about doctrine? And, I mean, I just couldn't
2: do it. Well, because doctrine has nothing to do with discipleship, Amy. I mean, don't you know that? <laughs> it, well, and, 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 it, and it raises a, a question of are disciples made outside the church yeah. or inside yeah, the it's church? That's a big question yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah. And this is where I think uh,
1: the Westminster Larger Catechism beautifully summarizes what Christian discipleship should look like, or beautifully summarizes what are the sources right. of Christian uh, discipleship. Uh, and it's question 154. And question 154 of the Westminster Larger Catechism reads, What are the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of his mediation? So of course, you know, remember, what is discipleship? It's growing into our identity in Christ. It's mm-hmm. all to do with Christ's mediation. Uh, and the answer comes, The outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to his church the benefits of his mediation are all his ordinances, especially the Word, sacraments, and prayer all which are made effectual to the elect for their salvation. Mm. That is beautifully succinct mm-hmm. and lays out wonderfully the means by which the believer, the ordinary believer, is enabled to grow in Christ. It's the Word, and the catechism will go on to talk about the Word read, but especially the Word preached. Mm-hmm. It's sacraments, it's baptism and the Lord's Supper, and it's prayer. And we might add, when we when we pull back and look at it from a... a a broader church perspective, we might also add to that discipline. Discipline, of course, in a post-Freudian world has a somewhat negative right. connotation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I think when we think discipline, we, we need to think of discipleship, right? Discipline is that oversight that the elders have, our congregation, that teaches disciplines, brings the congregation through to maturity. Mm-hmm. Staggering thing is, of course, that this is all very boring stuff. Right. You know, is you- it,
3: though? I mean, you know, we talk about the ordinary means of grace, and it can get mundane, I guess, but I feel like our culture is so confused over what's ordinary and what's yeah. extraordinary. Right. Yeah. Because the, the living word of God, Christ's benefits and blessings being conferred yeah. to
0: us, and, and I think that's that pretty extraordinary. Exactly,
2: and I think that that's the point, is that it look it, it has become, quote, boring to many christians and that's why so many churches are scrambling to find something other than god's ordinary means of grace and ordinary doesn't equate with boring it just means this is how it's usually normally done but those things have been rejected in the church i never heard growing up about the importance of uh the Lord's Supper to my discipleship. I never heard th- really about the role of preaching. I heard a lot of preaching, but I never heard it explained. This is what's happening under the preaching of the word.
1: Yeah, I think the the if generation is too often the me generation. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know what's good enough for the the suckers of previous generations. I need something special. I need something different because I'm faced with so many unique challenges now compared to Mm. my ancestors that we need to come up with something new and extraordinary and special. Oh, and by the way, I live in an entertainment generation, so don't expect to keep my attention if you're not entertaining me. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, You don't get to decide how you're discipled. Right. God's Word, Scripture, sets the terms of your discipleship. defines who you are and what you need.
0: Yeah,
2: And it's extraordinary hubris to say, I need something special. Actually, Scripture is quite clear on this. Over and over and over again, the New Testament tells us those things that God has given us to disciple, to be discipled, um, you can go to, to, to the Great Commission, end of Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Jesus said, Make disciples. Here's how you're going to do that you're going to baptize them and you're going to teach them everything I've said. Um, now, that's pretty ordinary. Mm. That's pretty ordinary. And then the rest of the New Testament basically fleshes that out. You go through Acts, and th- all you see in Acts is is the advance of the word, the advance of the word, the advance of the word. That's success for the church. That's what they're doing to make disciples, preaching and teaching the word of God, baptizing them.
3: Yeah, I, I call this um, I-need-something-special thing for my discipleship. I call it a Pinterest Christianity. I don't know if you mm. men are familiar I'm with on there all the, time. the Pinterest social media site. But, um, you can Just pretty much. Just learn how to make a
2: toaster cozy. Sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds, it's very sounds creative. Like my kind I of love thing. Pinterest,
3: <laughs> it's amazing. And, um, you can get uh, recipes, actually, yeah. that's a really Home good metaphor. Ideas.
1: You're an honorary guy. What are you doing? Hanging <laughs> out on Pinterest, good grief. I know you, you don't, I don't know, know what your guys to change. Well, hey,
2: I thought I could be vulnerable. Yes. <laughs> actually, Amy, that's that's actually a really good metaphor. Thank you. It It truly is.
3: And, you know, we live in this um, this culture where we have such extraordinary technology. Mm. But when you look at it, that, you know, our our cell phones and our iPads and all these little devices that we have, they really just give us ordinary information. Mm. You know, humdrum status updates about what our friends are doing and everything. Um, I was looking up one study says that 48 percent of people check Facebook before getting out of bed. And so they don't even mind. Like they're so Todd's obsessed. Here, I have to <laughs> say. Todd no, is
0: blushing. No, wrong with
3: they're so obsessed with it that um, you know they don't mind being interrupted in the bathroom during a meal and even intimate moments to check their Facebook status. <laughs> what? And so you know, and this is just for um, you know humdrum information. I notice Todd
1: is really blushing now.
3: Actually, <laughs> what is going but on? But you know, in God this? has ordained oh. these ordinary means to convey extraordinary grace, mm-hmm. and uh, the actual percentage of people who get out of bed for a worship service may be less than 20%.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I, w- one of the things that's happened, I think, I think that a lot of parachurch ministries sprang up um, that are devoted to making disciples, and they sprang up, I, th- I think, in many ways because perhaps the church was really doing a poor job of making disciples. People saw the need parachurch ministries came along. And so I'm, I'm, I, I bless their motives. I, I bless what drives them. M- my trouble is that oftentimes what happens in disciple-making parachurch ministries is that they communicate a very low doctrine of the church so that disciples are made more in an entrepreneurial way than under the watch care of the church in the fellowship of the church. Now, again, I get it. Lots of churches don't do that, unfortunately. And, and we, we see the evidence of that. But the answer is not to now create a third way outside of what Scripture has prescribed. And oftentimes, I will hear from some of my brethren in some, not all, but in some uh, parachurch ministries where they talk about the place of the Word as almost something, yeah, we, we know there needs to be the Bible, but then we need to get on to the practical, as if instruction in God's authoritative and sufficient Word is not the practical Right. Um, uh, this, is, this is where it happens, so, so that Paul can say in, in 2 Timothy 3:16, that the Word of God is entirely sufficient, because it does everything from correcting and rebuking and, and encouraging, also that God's people can be equipped for every good work. That's what the Bible does. The Bible equips us to be uh, disciples. It's not the theoretical part that l- lines you up for them the real, good, practical part. Mm-hmm. It is the part.
1: And this, I think, leads to, to something that's often neglected in the way we think about church. Often a lot of the emphasis is on the pastor properly preparing his sermons, etc., mm. etc. Et I think there's a question of the believers preparing their hearts, and particularly their ears when they come to church on a Sunday. Mm. i struck, going through the Bible recently, at how often hearing is used. Hear, O mm. Israel, the Lord your God mm-hmm. is one. The command to hear comes up again and again, yeah. particularly in the, in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, if hearing's a command, then it's something we are to do. Mm-hmm. And people can be very passive, I think, when they yeah. sit under the Word, assuming, right. well, this is the bit in the worship service where the minister takes over, yeah. warbles was on for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, right. an hour, if you're most unlucky, <laughs> uh, or if you're marked ever. <laughs> uh, uh, and we can sit back and, you know, just allow it all the wash over us. I think there is uh, an attitudinal issue here. Congregations need to be trained instructed commanded told to hear mm-hmm. to listen to go there expecting the lord to speak to them through the preaching of his word expecting to find most of the answers to most of their problems yeah. presented to them in the preaching of the right. word right.
3: that's something i'm really trying to instill in my children as i'm you know matt and i are training them to sit under the preached word and some of the things we say, and, and he even teaches fifth grade, so he teaches these kind of things for um, active listen, listening in the classroom. But, yeah, come expectant. Mm-hmm. Uh, make eye contact with the pastor while – you know, this yeah. is very practical. Make eye contact yep. with the pastor while he's preaching. Um, read his facial expressions, his body language mm-hmm. – um, Ask questions in your mind. Write mm-hmm. them down. You know, you can look into this later, or we could talk about it at lunch. Or there's there's very practical ways that you can help teach yeah, the congregation yeah, to yeah, be yeah. more active listeners. And
1: I mean, Westminster Larger Catechism actually addresses the the, the issue of hearing the word. It says, uh, Question 160: What is required of those that hear the word preached? Answer, it is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer, examine what they hear by the scriptures, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God, meditate and confer of it, hide it in their hearts, and bring Mm. forth the fruit of it in their lives. Mm. There's a wonderfully comprehensive statement uh, about an appropriate attitude of submission and attention. And right. personal application mm-hmm. of the word. It reminds of God. me of
3: all the biblical commands too—to hold fast yeah. to our confession mm-hmm. and hold fast to what we're hearing—and yeah. that's an active thing.
2: It is. I mean, God has made His people um, from the beginning to be an auditory people. Um, those those components of our worship uh, that involve water and wine and bread are actually very rare. I mean, we, we, we biblical faith is is very very spare of physical tangible types of things. We reduce it to water, to the cup, and to bread. Everything else really is about being auditory, about listening to God's word. Um, So it's by his word he creates, by his word he delivers, by his word he judges, et cetera, et cetera. And perhaps a little bit hyperbolically, um, I believe it's the second Helvetic Confession, Carl, Um, the, the preaching of the word of God is the word of God? Yep. Um, Chapter 1. Some people would be maybe uncomfortable with that statement, and certainly we could identify a lot of preaching (laughs) of the Bible that's probably not the Word of God. Mm. But the point is actually very important, which is we preach um, because we actually do believe that in preaching the Word of God, we're giving the Word of God to God's people.
1: Yeah, the Word of God is the means by which God mediates his presence to his people. Mm.
2: Exactly. And then we have
3: all these other mediating devices all week Mm -hmm. long. It's almost like we need to look through something else
1: right,
2: now right. to have a relationship. You know, one of the things I heard growing up a lot was, which, which I was so glad to finally get rid of this. But, but well, you know, and, and this, this coming from a strong inerrantist category of, of the church. But, you know, the Bible is the menu. It's just there to get us to God. And what would end up happening is um, an undermining of the sufficiency of Scripture at that mm. point, mm. that the Bible's just there kind of as a launching pad to get me word. to my experience of God. Yeah. Whereas, no, actually it's in the Word mm-hmm. that God mediates his yeah. presence to me. Uh, that we don't make this neat little separation between the Bible and God. Not the Bi- not that the Bible is God, but it's through his Word that God is pleased to be with his people. Yeah.
3: Well, as we're talking about, you know, this ordinary um, discipleship with uh, word, sacrament, and discipline, have you guys noticed or seen in your churches? Maybe I've just really noticed a culture to where people are looking for a specific person to disciple them oh, or to mentor them. And um, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah it's it's the um, it's the the idea that the only way that you can actually make a disciple is a one on one discipleship relationship now
3: i'm discipling so-and-so exactly now Now,
2: i'm all favor i'm all in favor of older men discipling younger men older women discipling younger women etc etc that that's that's a great model my problem is and this oftentimes comes out of the parachurch not all of the parachurch but it does often come that, that there's one way to make disciples and it almost never ever involves word and sacrament the public gathered worship of God's people. It's about me meeting with a guy to study a book or something like and that. And your shop. ministry. Yeah. Exactly, which is great. I think godly men and godly women in the church ought to be meeting with, mm-hmm. please, let's do that. But again, do we understand that making disciples happens in the gathered corporate? worship of God's people.
3: It's like we don't really believe that. And, right. and I've had women who are, you know, upset that they do not have someone, even in the church, mm-hmm. you know, one person mm-hmm. kind of assigned to them or who have taken them under their right. wing to disciple them. Right. So they yeah. feel like they're missing out.
2: Exactly. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have not taught our church as well about what happens in those corporate gatherings, Mm -hmm. about what God's intentions are, his design is of that time. You know, we talk about practical things. Um, we, We have a children's ministry director at our church that does this great job Every week of taking my sermon notes, I meet with her on Thursday. She takes my sermon notes and then crafts two separate children's sermon note guides from those, one for the youngest kids, one for the older kids, so that when those kids are sitting next to their parents in worship, they're filling out a sermon guide tailored to them based on my sermon notes. Wow, that's interesting. And it's fabulous, and it keeps them engaged. And they come running to me afterwards to show me their filled out sermon notes. It's, It's fantastic. I'm impressed that you're done by Thursday. So I'm still working on mine on a Sunday morning. We thought he was a flash. So yeah, this is, this is a new this is a new pattern for me. So yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. moving on to the, the the sort of the what might say the darker side of discipling church yes. discipline. Yes, um, necessary, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the marks of the church. Often problematic. My own experience of it has been that uh, there is an understandable hesitancy about moving towards formal discipline, but sometimes it is it is necessary. Uh, I would throw a couple of things in and say, this is where, to me, confessions are important because confessions limit the power of the church. Yeah. You know, Much as I would love to discipline somebody for dressing the way Todd does, (laughs) uh, the confession doesn't speak to it. So unfortunately, if Todd was in my church, he'd be able to get away scot-free, much as we discourage uh, that sort of thing. Uh, So confession is important for limiting the power of the church and also procedures for dealing with discipline help protect both the discipliner and the one being disciplined. Though I have to say on occasion, it seems to me that sometimes the procedures are used by miscreants as a way of protecting Mm -hmm. themselves uh, rather than simply seeing uh, a straightforward process. But discipline is important because it's important that the church vindicates the name of Christ, protects the flock from bad people who seek to disturb the peace and unity of the church. And thirdly, and this is in... This order, the top priority is vindicate the name of Christ. Second is protect the flock. Third place is to reclaim the offender. Right. Uh, one of the confusions I've seen, either of you can comment on this, is people think that discipline should be uh, aimed at reclaiming the offender. Yeah. No question that I shouldn't be yeah. part of it. Right. But reclaiming the offender is not the priority.
2: Right. It's not. It's protect the uh, peace and purity of the church. Yeah. And the name of Christ. exactly. And one of the things that we, we say about, for instance, about church membership is that when we welcome somebody into church membership, we are saying we vouch for your profession of faith. We say to you, to the whole church and to the community around that we believe this person belongs to Christ, has a credible profession of faith in Christ. That's what we've seen in this person. So that when they enter into public sin, habitual public sin, and we have to move to actually excommunicate them remove them from the membership of the church we're making a very powerful statement we're saying we can no longer vouch for this person's profession of faith in Christ we do not see evidence of genuine regeneration and that's important it's important in protecting the purity of the church it's important in protecting the witness of the church so that when that person goes out and continues to pu- to sin publicly we're able to say unfortunately we no longer know them in the sense that we used to yeah, yeah. think that we know them. And, and so technically, it, it's, it's also to protect the witness of the church and, as you said, the, the name of Christ. Um, and, and in that sense, then, disciple, uh, discipline is a, is a necessary part of discipleship, because if I wander into habitual sin, then I need my brothers to correct me. And if they don't, they're not loving me well.
3: This is so important, too. Just the, the language. You really have to, you know, this is a, a burden on the elders to really know the people in their church, because, you know, if you just take the practical issue of, um, you know, we've talked a lot about domestic abuse mm-hmm. um, or, you know, adultery. Right. If a couple comes in and then the the offender just says, well, I repent, please forgive me. And then they're restored right back, but... They obviously haven't repented. I've seen this over and over again mm-hmm. to where the the victim then of abuse or of adultery is just yeah. not validated at all. They don't really right. get to grow. They don't become restored because nothing has really
2: Right, because what happened has happened, different. exactly. What nothing's has hap- happened but language. Exactly. And what's happened under the guise of love and grace is actually not love and grace yeah. at all.
1: Mm-hmm. A failure to implement proper church discipline is a failure to protect the innocent. Right. Not a right. shadow of a doubt there. What you're actually doing is you're saying to the innocent, you've got to put up with this abuse. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's your reputation being trashed, if it's your body being beaten, mm-hmm. we're not going to discipline this person. Mm-hmm. Because you, we love you, you've got to suck it up. <laughs> yeah, right. That well that, that is not very loving. No, it's that not. Is not very loving at all. Exactly.
3: Yeah, so a lot of times I'll see that the church takes the first step of saying, you know, you need to repent, mm-hmm. but then there's no, there's no follow-up yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: not yeah. very loving to the perpetrator either. Because Absolutely Because no. the bottom line is that person needs to repent. Right. right. And if you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, try to do better next time, mm-hmm. rather than presenting them with the wrath of a holy God mm-hmm. against right. their destructive pattern of behavior, you are doing them no favors right. at all.
2: This is exactly what Paul is pointing out in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, where you've got this, man living in, in 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 sin with his uh, stepmother um, Paul is saying you you kick him out you turn him over to Satan yeah. so that by God's grace, you can reclaim him. Yeah. And then later, when we read in, in 2 Corinthians, some speculate that Paul is referring to this same guy. It might be, it might be somebody else, but Paul is now having to instruct them to actually bring somebody back who really has repented. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're hesitant to do that. And so here you have this really mm-hmm. kind of beautiful juxtaposition. On the one right. hand, he's rebuking them in 1 Corinthians for not exercising discipline. And then in 2 Corinthians, he's having to instruct them hey, this person has really repented bring them back bring them back
3: it just that is something extraordinary really um church discipline properly exercised is extraordinary. Mm. And you really do have to lean on the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and the power of God's Word and what it says to do because I think our default is to go on one side or the other. Mm. And it's so hard to just properly carry it through.
1: And this is where I think plurality of elders is important. It's good to be part of a team of good guys who will all have slightly different perspectives Mm -hmm. on the situation and to operate on a basis that allows you to pool wisdom in a way where ultimately you'll all back whatever policy is, is taken, yeah. but it's the result of a, of a group discussion among men properly right. elected and appointed to, to govern the church.
2: Right. Yeah, indeed. And again, there's something very uh, pedagogically powerful about it for young ones when they see that sin is dealt with seriously right. in the church. That's a good point. But so is restoration yeah. when there's mm-hmm. repentance. So they get to see the gospel kind of acted out where sin is taken very seriously and God's grace is also taken very seriously yeah. when there's repentance. Yeah. So, well, this has been, a, I, I think, a helpful uh, discussion on, on discipleship that uh, disciples are made um, within the church. And um, we do have a free MP3 if you'll go to mortificationofspin.org. It's called uh, God's Word and Christian Discipleship by Jerry Bridges. And uh, we think you'll find that very valuable. Go again to our website, and you can download that MP3 uh, for free. Well, we're glad that you joined us for a Mortification of Spin, casual conversation about things that count, and we hope to talk to you again very soon. I
0: look at all the lovely people.
1: <laughs> Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window. That she keeps in a job
3: by the door. Who is it for all the lonely
0: people? Where do they all come from? All the lonely people, they all belong? Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold to the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Don't forget to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to get your download of God's Word and Christian Discipleship by Jerry Bridges. Some people have nothing good to say, but they say it well, while others have something to say but don't know how. In Dr. Bridges' message, we'll learn how to discern false teachers and how to disciple God's way. Download the message to find out. Now with Reformation Month in full swing, the team takes this opportunity to talk about an influential figure in church history. Can you guess who they're talking about? I love the fact that he believed that ideas were worth fighting
2: for.
3: We really hold up compassionate figures now and we don't really like the abrasive ones. But he yeah. was both. In mm-hmm. some ways,
1: he right. was the first great Christian celebrity of the early modern era. People had posters of him right. in their
2: houses, et cetera, et cetera. The most interesting character of the Reformation, wouldn't you say so?
0: Any ideas? Confirm your suspicions by listening next week to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count.
2: going to discuss Carl Truman today pros Here, and cons it be
3: entertaining
2: yeah <laughs> Instant wow. coffee. uh-huh exactly
1: have I joined the conversation no <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was hoping you couldn't about, see me. I, was yeah. going to listen
1: in, I was going to listen into that and see what you really <laughs>